Hello and welcome to episode 242 of Three Beers and Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Stu McFall. Stu, thank you for filling in for Mr Mackay. He has decided to have children. Well, had children like 15 years ago and he's now having to deal with those children, obviously. So, um, yeah, he can't make it because it's Easter weekend and he is busy doing, I'm assuming, bouncy castles and circuses. Um, it's what he's doing just now. Yeah, no problem, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, I have children as well, but I'm just very neglectful as a parent. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you live in Ireland. Where, where can they go? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They can't go out. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, they're, they're contained on all sides by water. They, they, they can't really get very far. Um, are you drinking anything tonight? It's a Friday night, after all. So are you having anything? It is a Friday night. Drink? Yeah. I'm, I'm on my boring traditional brew dogs. What about yourself? I picked one specifically for you, actually. Oh. Yeah, and it's because it's called. Snibble juice. <laughs> the reason why I picked it, it's from a Danish brewery, and the Danish brewery is called the Tool Brewery. Ah, yeah, there you go. You would appreciate yeah. one called Tool. So yeah, I do so appreciate that. Yeah, it's very, it's exceptionally light. You would, you would like it. It's one of the ones you could drink pretty much all night. It's definitely one of those kind of ones. You know, good name as well. Yeah, Snubble. Snubble juice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very light. Very, very. Um, just down very easily. It's perfect for a, a sunny Friday night, although sunny Friday night has been hailstones here, so it's not quite as sunny as I, I hoped um, on a Friday night. Oh, it's, it's odd. It's very odd. The weather is doing the absolute flux right now. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll fire very quickly because we've got a lot to talk about this week. I've watched I've watched everything this week. I've been very busy this week. Um, before we get into the movie stuff, have you watched anything of interest, like sort of non-cinematic you want to sort of throw out there that you, you can recommend or intrigued you of late? Ooh... That's a good question. What have I watched recently? Um, do, 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 do. I'm trying to think. Uh, I finished Peaky Blinders. Um, I'm surprised you're was... in Peaky Blinders. It doesn't seem like a show you would be into. It feels very well, not your kind of show. Well, do you know what? It's, it is a very good show, but unfortunately, uh-huh. it's one of those things where it's been co-opted by the worst people. Yeah, so... that's the thought that put you off it because of the, the demographic it attracts. Like, I'm exactly the Sopranos now. The Sopranos seems to attract only white douchebags, so I'm like, I don't like watch The Sopranos, yeah. but I know it's a very good show. It's great, yeah. But yeah. The, the white douchebag um... element of it makes me go, nah, I don't really like watch you now. I don't want to, you know, give you the credence that you, you maybe deserve. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Peaky Blinders has been around ten years, so yep. you know, before you know, I, I was I was into it before you know all the before it's cool, involved. yeah. And you're not wearing cool flat exactly. caps and thinking you're a member of Peaky Blinders, so that's good. Um, I mean, yeah. it's, got, it's got a cracking cast, isn't it? Like, is it still? Oh, yeah. um, who's the lead actor? It's Singy Scarecrow, isn't it? Um, Cillian Murphy, yeah. He, his his performance is it's genuinely fantastic, really layered, um, very intriguing character. Um, I, I like where it went in the last season. I think it will really piss off those dickheads cool. uh, the dickhead section of their fan base because they've gone that, very, yeah. yeah yeah it's um it's become like almost um very theatrical almost mm-hmm. uh, like a play yeah it's, it's um it's very um stylized yeah. and uh, you know it's, it's quite beautiful to look at this season and uh, it's it, definitely divided critics but I, i've enjoyed it has it finished finished or is it finished before like a, a question mark it's finished as a TV series, but I think there will be a movie. Just to sort of tie it, but not going to wait like 20 years and do it like they did with, you know, Sopranos, more likely quite soon. I think it's going to be imminent. It looked yeah. like everything was ending and it was going down one route and it was actually very good writing to kind of take it somewhere else. Um, there's some great performances in it, like Adrian Brody pops up, Tom Hardy. Sam Neill. Um, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Yeah. Sam Neill. Is Marco Quality Sam Neill is. 
Sam Neill with an Irish accent. Um, but he is Irish. Born in Northern yeah. Ireland. He yeah. is Irish. Yeah, Bale fans, yeah. Yeah, Bale fans. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I watched that. Um, I'm trying to think what else we watched. Um, there's probably other stuff, but I just don't. I nothing, don't know nothing peaking, nothing, nothing peaking in your interest. That you've Not particularly. No. no, I'm the same. I've kind of reached this kind of thing with TV. We started watching um, the Dropout on Disney. It's about the Theranos woman, the one who's like the. Oh blood. yes. It's got Amanda Seyfried. 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 Um, she's in it, and hey guys. I, I I've watched two, and I don't really feel that compelled. I mean, it's interesting, but I don't really feel that compelled to like sort of put on the next one straight away. It's not really pulling me in that way. Um, Moon Knight on Disney Plus is interesting. It's definitely a, it's definitely some real interesting character decisions by Oscar Isaac. He's he's going for it in a big bad way, which I'm really enjoying. Um, and yeah. any Marvel TV show that can bring in Ethan Hawke is always enjoyable. He's a yeah. man who doesn't really say yes to a lot of big budget stuff. He's not really a no. man who sort of chases the money. He's definitely a guy who's sort of very selective in what he does. So the fact he said yes to it was sort of more intriguing than anything else. I don't I don't really know what you would say yes to just for the sake of the cash. Mm. Good point. Yeah, so um, it's enjoyable. First two are interesting. Interesting to see where it goes. Very random character to do. Something that even my knowledge of is pretty <laughs> limited, to be honest. Oh. Um, so enjoying what it's doing. And I like Oscar Isaac. He's always fun to, to watch. Oh, yeah. He's to commit yeah, to that. what he's doing. Um, no, I like Oscar. Yeah, so he's he's good at that. So Moon Knight's good. The dropout, I'm not sure if it's good or not yet. Um, and mm. I've start, I've started delving back into Rick and Morty. I think I'm two seasons behind, so I've started doing that, and it's been enjoyable. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. It's you need to get in the right headspace for Rick and Morty, though. It's so nihilistic, isn't it? There's sometimes I've so up their own arse, I, I, I get bored of it. Like they're, they're trying to be too clever mm. to the point I'm like, I'm not interested in what you're doing. Um, yeah. But when they're when they're, when they're not trying to be overly clever and just trying to be smart, it's 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 good. But there are times when they're almost yeah. when they're not when they're not aware of what they're doing. That's when they're the best. Seem they're trying to emulate what they are sort of known for. That's I think when they sort of become the kind of snake eating its tail a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah, yeah. So watching that. Anyway, from that, we'll move on to the movies that are out this week. There's a lot of stuff out, so we will be rattling through these. But um, the first bunch are all on your streaming services. The first one is on Netflix. We'll start with a happy one, because I know Netflix has angered you um, in the last 48 hours. <laughs> um, so this one is called Apollo 10 and a Half, um, a space-age childhood, directed by Richard Linklater, who directed some wonderful stuff like Slackers, Boyhood, Days and Confused. The before after sunset sunrise, yeah. Before sunrise, after sunrise, sunset one, isn't it? That's the name of them. Something yeah, like, yeah. Something along those lines. Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're all Ethan, great. Yeah, one with Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. That that, that, yeah, that exactly. One. Yeah. That trilogy. Yeah, yeah. That trilogy. <laughs> um, this is his return to animation, but it's not. It's proper animation. He has dabbled in animation, like sort of the rotoscope stuff before, with a kind of darkly, wasn't it? He sort of done sort of yeah. motion capture almost. This is this. Looks like that, but it's not. Apparently, it's just all animation. Oh, really? Because it yeah. totally looks like that. That style from was it Waking Life and um, Waking Yeah, it's kind of darkly. Yeah, yeah. this. Oh, that's this, interesting. Yeah, because um, I'm wanting to believe it's, it's just proper. It's just old school animation to made to look like that, which is interesting. Um, mm. The plot of the film is it's basically a young boy grown up in um, Houston in the 1960s, uh, in his world, the world is sort of obsessed with space and. You know, going to the moon. His dad works in the space program in quite a low-level job, I think, in the space program they look over. He's not sort of high up, but he's still everybody in his world is involved in that, and he wants to be involved in it and believes he might get to go to the moon one day. And essentially it's a documentary about sort of growing up in the mid to late 60s in quite a 
odd place in the sense that it was like this world that's attuned to one industry and everybody's sort of very heavily invested in it and you know and it's like and that's the one that's the one industry that sort of gives them sort of value essentially mm-hmm. and it's them just try to it's just a sort of a, a document it's almost a documentary on what life was like for this area um i don't know how personal it is to Lingley. i know he grew up in texas mm-hmm. but i don't think he grew up in houston i think he grew up in fort worth and dallas i think possibly maybe i might be wrong right. with that. I, I don't think it's specifically based on his childhood but it does feel very personal in what he's doing yeah it, it definitely feels personal there's um it's it's Jack Black narrating, isn't it? Jack Black um, narrating. You've got Zachary Levy doing a voice, Glenn Powell, Josh Wiggins, who I like from the new film called Max about a dog that's a heroic dog, and Lee Eddy as well, sort of doing the voices. So I think probably Jack Black is sort of, he's the main for the first half anyway. Jack Black's the narrator of the film. He's the guy who's sort of pushing the film through because you've only seen half of it. The first half is very much a documentary almost. It's it's, mm. it's basically just trying to explain what the mid to late 60s were in America, or even sort of early, maybe all the 60s. It doesn't really get to the 70s. It's just basically from like 61 through to like 69. It's sort of just trying to explain what this world is to sort of someone who's not sure of it because it's talking about the politics and sort of changing sort of views in life um, that most of the people had. Um, Did you like the first half at least? Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I I thought I'd watch half just, you know, being keeping with the ten and a half, apparently. That's that's what I thought (laughs) I'd do. Um, But yeah, I just found a little window of time um, to to watch a bit just before the pod here. And, you know, we've spoken before about Linklater and how much we admire his work. And his his style is all over this, of course. That nostalgia, that pining for childhood, the the suburban existence I, I love the the writing so far i think it's, yeah, it's so, beaut- so yeah. beautifully written um and uh really well delivered it's it's funny it's not too sentimental which nostalgic stuff has kind of have a tendency to yeah. be um but it's it's still got that dewy-eyed look back at yesteryear but uh and it deals as you say with the politics and what seismic decade that was yeah and also quite truthfully it really dissects what it's like to be a kid and how really the world might be falling apart, but you don't really care about that when you're a kid. Yeah. You have your own little, um, your little community based on your friends and your and your immediate peers. So it's so far anyway. First half is basically them goofing around, you know, um, messing about with his friends and getting up to capers, and it's all very very link later in that it's all about the tiny details that add up to something bigger and very low stakes in the early yes. part there's not there's no big stakes in it that's the thing no. like, link has this amazing thing that he manages to make you feel nostalgic for a decade that me and you are both 20 years separate from oh, you know yeah. when, when oh, you watch yeah. stuff like days and confused and you watch like everybody everybody wants some and all the yeah. kind of films that he does you feel like i want to grow up in his era but like I, that's not an era i ever grew up in and yeah. it's so bizarre to feel somehow nostalgic for that and also what I think is really odd this film I reckon could be watched by both sides of the political divide and sort of see like you can imagine Republicans yeah. watching this film and going that's America we want back yeah and you can also totally. see Republicans going that's the America we want back as well and it seems yeah. like so bizarre that it would appeal to both sides of the divide in that respect you know that's a fantastic point that is a fantastic point actually I hadn't thought about that yeah completely um and that's because it is it's classic ling later in the sense that it's it's that documentarian feel yeah and that it's it's telling it's 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 outlining how it was 
Yeah. So in terms of what your political beliefs are, you pigeonhole them into what whatever the the, the scenario was. You you've already and it, it, you can. It's it's a little utopia, and this and things are always better when they when they're gone, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. You know yeah. when you're looking back. Um, and it's uh, again classic Linklater. There's so many great little incidental characters, like the um, the mother-in-law who's like a conspiracy theorist. That yeah. was quite a nice little nod to now. I wonder if it was yeah. alluding to his um, affiliations with Alex Jones. There, I don't know. Possibly, but, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the dad, the the little details of the things I love. You know, dads yeah. who would who would bite the um, the lid off his can and then put it down the. Yeah, I do, I do that. Which is, I, I, I do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very odd. Like, I do that as well. Yeah, and it's like these little, almost novelistic details that are pretty incidental, but actually add up to something far more real. And it's, it's classic, classic Linklater, and he did it so well in Boyhood yeah. and all the other films that you mentioned. But yeah. I where did it go, second half? The second half, it gets a little bit more into the fantastical element of him wanting to be the the astronaut who goes, because at the start of the film is set up like, um, there's like a fantastical element where NASA come to the young kid in it and say like, we've made, the, we've made the Apollo mission, but we've made the craft too small so we need a kid to fly it essentially, so he gets sort of yeah. recruited into NASA and he's going to go to the moon and stuff like that. So it, the second half sort of embraces that part more of it and it sort of gets into the fantastical element, it's less of the, the documentary part. Um, right. So I didn't quite jive on the second part quite as much. I really loved the opening, like sort of forty-five minutes to an hour of it, when it was yeah. all just. It felt like you could easily imagine this existing the same world as Days and Confused. You know, it's easily you can just imagine seeing half of Days and Confused characters walking down the street in this world, but oh, not in yeah. a fantastical way. They because because those characters all feel so lived in and real, and everybody in this one, even though they probably were based on real people, I don't I don't know how much based on his own family, but it all felt so believe in real you know the, the interaction has these sisters and things like that and it's like you know all that kind of stuff it just felt it felt yeah. so lived in it, it didn't feel like anyone oh. could make it up but obviously it has made it up yeah yeah it's got to be it's got to be heavily autobiographical yeah it just feels it man it, it's 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 so detailed not to be but then who knows with link later he's he's it, it's it's if nothing else it is that it shows how his creative mind yeah. and, and his that that fantastical element is present in his own writing of course but yeah. i really like the what what must be true is all the um it was almost tarantino-esque where they're watching the tv and they've got that great little montage of yes. tv sets coming out and all the old shows oh, it was almost yeah. once upon a time in hollywood-esque yeah. all these little tv shows and second oh link is obsessed yeah. with television yeah. and movies and He's a pop culture geek, and it yeah. totally makes sense. That checks out. It's got to be on the nose, that right? Yeah, oh, 100 percent. That has to be like sort of. That has to at least allude to what he was doing as a child. You know, it has to yeah, totally, so. um, you know, fit into that. It's also about Linklater. Like he continues to become like although he has got the same sort of similar themes and stuff in his films. You cannot pigeonhole what you're going to do next. You know, no, it, there's no way you can figure out what he yeah. is. A guy who seems to just. <coughs> Yeah, he, he wants to work, but he's not going to be, you know, stuck to do one particular thing. You know, he, he easily, no. you know, we can imagine literally going back and doing like a third part of his Confused series almost, if you want, if you oh, wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Or you can imagine going doing just anything completely wrong. And what annoyed me about this film, not annoyed me about the film itself, I had no idea this was coming. I had absolutely no idea this was on no. its way. No. And the, the big push was like, oh, all your big massive releases can go to the cinema, you know, your Spider-Mans and your Marvel films and all that kind of stuff, they can go to the cinema, but Netflix will be the place where all these sort of indie filmmakers and all these auteurs can get you know get their work seen by the whole world. 
And mm. fucking Netflix is just trying to promote the next Ryan Reynolds film or, yeah. you know, the next yeah. film we're going to talk about. And this film gets absolutely buried somewhere in the, the algorithm and no one gets to see it when it should be viewed. It should be up front and centre. Totally. I had no idea Linklater was doing a film. I had no idea until you messaged me, mm-hmm. you know, asking to come on the pod and mention this. Mm-hmm. I've been a Netflix subscriber for years, but I had no idea. As you say, it just gets buried. And it's a real shame because, I mean, wherever it goes, it's not going to fall off a cliff and be a terrible film. You, you can just, it's its so much heart and it's so much has gone into it, just from a technical yeah. perspective as well, oh. just look wonderful as well. Yeah. It's a shame. It's, it's, a shame. it's, it's not going to get seen by enough people. And that, that's the real problem. Um, but again, it's another, another proof that animation is not a genre, it's a medium. Yes. You, know, you can yes. absolutely show this film, you can make it completely live action, it would work exactly the same. He chose to do it as an animation yes. and just as a choice. It's not because it could only be done as animation. You know, it's, it's Oh, just, yeah. He, yeah. He could either done it as a comic book if he wanted to, he could done it as a radio play if he wanted to. He could have done yeah. it as anything. Oh, I could see it as a radio play, definitely. Yeah, that's well, such an excellent point, dude. Yeah, spot so, on. Real, I, I loved it. I would give it a very solid 8 out of 10, just because the final sort of half hour just sort of paled a little bit in comparison to how good the first hour was. But other than yeah. that, I thought it was a wonderful bit of viewing. And just a happy film. In a world where right now we've got not a lot of happiness going on and things are a bit shit. Made me feel good. good. Yeah. yeah, I was feeling very good watching it. It was a solid 9 for me, but we'll see how the second half unfolds. Yeah, like I said, watch the second half and see what you think of the second half. It might hit you better than hit me, but um, I'd say I just tailed off a little bit for me. Um, on from that, we will move on to one that I, I made you watch or told you to watch, and I think you've got a Mackay feeling about me right now, where you don't like me for making you watch a film. <laughs> um, and that is a film called The Bubble, um, directed by Judd Apatow, who did things like Trainwreck and This Is 40 and Knocked Up, and very recently The King of Staten Island, which I've still not seen, um, but I've heard good things, but questionable now. No, I haven't seen um, it either. The plot of this film is there's a group of actors reconvene in a hotel in, I think, must be England, surely. Um, and yes. they are brought together by the producer to try and make a movie during COVID um, as he tries to keep them from getting COVID, getting you know ill and managing to finish the film. And amongst that, you've got all this sort of political, not political stuff, but sort of social political stuff between them all as they all maybe fell out in the previous movie and there's sort of those ex-wives and relationships that are getting built and getting torn apart as they try and make this film. We've also got some interns who are trying to get their sort of points across as well and you've got a very inexperienced director trying to sort of wrangle it all or a man who, no he's not inexperienced he's an indie director who's getting his first big breakers and his first big movie he's trying to do um, and he's trying to sort of wrangle all these Hollywood stars together to make a movie during Covid that will be the sort of I think it's the fifth or sixth part in a series but they all kind of don't like yeah. each other they all kind of Cliff like Beasts Cliff Beasts yeah and they all want to move on um, but they're sort of most of them seem to be doing it for the money Um in, in that sense. So the plot is they try and make this film during COVID. The sort of main protagonist of the film is Karen Gillian, Scotland's very own. She's sort of the starlet who's coming, she's, she dropped out the previous film and she's coming back for the first time and there's a lot of stuff alongside that that maybe the rest of the cast aren't too happy about. Um, you've got David Fox Mulder the Covenant pops up in it. Um, you've got Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, Peter Serafinovich, whose name I can never pronounce. Fred Armisen plays the neurotic director. Maria Bakalova from Borat 2. She plays mm. the receptionist. Um, you've also got Samson Kale, um, plays one of the interns, Galen Hooper as well. And you've got Keegan-Michael Key um, pops up in it as well in a role. So I'll let you start. What did you think of it? There's a great line from... Um, Scotland's Finest, where in the film she says, um, 
I can't wait till this movie is over. And it really did speak to me on <laughs> many profound levels. Judd Apatow, he is a great comedy mind and he's a great ideas guy and he knows how, he knows what funny is. So he yes. tends to have, yes. he tends to identify funny people early on in their career and think I'm going to make them a star. You know, yeah. we've done it before yeah. with Seth Rogen, Steve Carell. I'm sure there are countless others. That I can't well, Carell was more made famous by... Um... Oh, yeah, um, yes, yes, yeah. to be fair, he, he was. You're yeah. right, he did put him in the movies first. You're absolutely right, though. He, he put him in the movies before. Um, he elevates them, though, doesn't he? Elevate, he elevates them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's got an eye for comedy. He knows his chops, and I'm a big fan of some of his stuff. Um, Jason Segel as well, another example. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but he has this tendency, and he always has, to... Um, well, one, he has an editing issue where... The films are just too fucking long. Comedy films, we've said before, should never be longer than 90 minutes. Yep. You're lucky if anything's under two hours for him. Yeah. This just goes over two hours, but it feels like 75. Um, <laughs> yes. The, <laughs> but there's always laugh. There's always funny moments in his films. That's, yeah, that's more frustrating thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But this film, I genuinely, I raised a couple of smirks, a couple of moments. I, I, I was so, so disappointed with it. There's so much talent on show. Yeah. Um, I think the main problem I have with it, well, there are many problems, but one of the, the main issue I have is anything that is satirical about an event that we're living through, I I don't know where you find the humour in that when it's still... on. Yeah, it's still, still ongoing. It's still ongoing and it's not history yet. Yeah. So it, it's... And it's, it's also... It's... COVID is a very tedious thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bureaucratic red tape nightmare. Mm-hmm. Amidst all the pain and suffering it is, is involved, it's yeah. basically been, it's been a massive inconvenience for anything yeah. else. There's no... It's, it's just a very frustrating thing and yeah. we don't really want to be seeing it again. The whole point of us watching movies at the moment is to escape that. Agreed. Um, so, um, so I didn't want that. I didn't find that particularly good. What he's trying to satirise as well, I think he gets a bit confused because he's trying to poke fun at the very thing that he creates. And it's not in a kind of knowing, oh, but I'm different. It's, yeah. well, your, nep- your nepotism in action, your daughter's the lead, your yeah. wife's one of and the main well. yeah. Um, You've got all your mates in it, as you always do, which is fine. That's your yeah. prerogative. You do yeah. what you want. But it's almost got that, Oh, but no, I'm I'm I, I understand things a bit better than everybody else because I can laugh at myself. Yeah. But it, the characters are also thoroughly dislikable that you can't connect with any of them. I don't care about their plight. And you're satirizing them as well for being vapid Hollywood yeah. starlets who are completely disconnected from yeah. reality when actually that's what you are. So yeah. like it's it's I don't know who it's speaking to because it's not speaking to me. Like I don't yeah. I don't know who it's for. So they were the main problems. I'm a massive fan of Key and Peel, so that just broke my heart seeing Keegan Michael Key, whatever his fucking name is, in it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. His just... film career's not really taken off. He's not. No. Quite... no. It's a shame because I like yeah. I like him a lot. I think he's a very funny man. I'm not saying he has to be funny, but I've seen him. Been, he's in a TV show on Apple Plus called Smigadoon, and it's like a musical. Very funny. All right. Yeah. It's like a Brigadoon setup he goes into. Okay. Yeah, okay. and it's like him and his wife are trying to escape it. It's quite, it's really well done. He's got it's very it's very funny and it plays into his strengths. But other right. than that, his movies have been like 
the Predator movie with, with Shane Black, which I wanted to love, but I, just, I didn't love. Um, no, it's not great. Um, but yeah, it's a real shame. Well, I want him to be bigger. I want him to do more. Me too. He's kind of been left behind, hasn't yeah. he, a bit by his, uh, by his comedy partner. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a shame. Mm. So what, what were your thoughts on this? Were you quite as scathing as I am? I mean, maybe not quite as harsh as yourself. I thought it had a, a relatively decent start, maybe the first half hour, 40 minutes. Mm. I kind of got a couple of chuckles out of that. Um, I didn't dislike it. But what annoyed, what annoyed me, what I thought was like sort of, it's claiming to be, it's sort of, I think Apatow thinks he's been clever and fresh by having like the movie producer on the video call being a dick and I'm going yeah. most of this audience just watch I have seen Tropic Thunder which was an yeah. idea done yeah. way better absolutely. so absolutely was like, well, it's, what you're doing is not particularly fresh it's, it, it's hackneyed yeah yeah um, I thought it could have been played better if they just didn't like the characters are all there's no depth to the characters really there's yeah. no like sort of real sort of emotional point yeah. to them. so why not just have them all play themselves like have Karen, like everyone yeah. seems to like everyone seems to like Karen Gilling for example she seems a really lovely girl yeah. she's a really lovely woman yeah. and she seems to do a lot of stuff for charity she's a really pleasant person mm. make her a douche make her be a dick yes. like make like yes. play like, play against time make her be you know, the Karen Gilling you think you know is actually a complete you know asshole you know same with the Pedro Pascal thing. We think he's a nice guy, but if you made him an absolute sex fiend, we'd be like, oh, that's weird. But I can get how he got away with it because he's Pedro Pascal and I can see why it would <laughs> yeah. work. But, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So they, they didn't really do much of the characters. The only one I really liked in it was Maria Bakalova, who I yeah. I really enjoy her as an actress. I think she's very, very funny and does a lot with not a lot in this role. Which, again, she, what she has, she yeah. does a lot with, but she doesn't really get the time to do more with it. Also, the humour swings so violently from one to try and be subtle to a cat like the hand blown off and then everyone's sort of waving it off. Yeah, and totally, going, it's that shit. That's, yeah. It's all like, surely that, if, as much as you're saying that like, we need to be in this house to, to film this movie and everybody's a bit with it and we understand that if you do it, you'll, you'll get fined. As soon as something gets a hand blown off, mm, at mm. that point you've got to go, I think we can leave now. I think at this point in time, it's, it's, yeah. it's now went beyond <laughs> that. Um, yeah, so it just totally. it swings too much and the jokes that are in it that are there that do kind of work for them for all the way through it they're so spread out throughout the whole film mm. that they don't mm. actually have any coherence to the point mm. where at the end the final half hour is just like incoherent oh it's mental the for anyone any of the listeners who haven't watched it um I'm going to say three words TikTok dinosaur dance yes that is one of the worst sequences I have I have had the misfortune of my retinas feasting upon. It was abysmal. Yeah. I don't know who that's placating. I don't know what that's for. Even the TikTok dance earlier, and I, I, I thought they did an actual choreographed TikTok, didn't they? And I thought, oh, that is such a, that's such an opportunistic, oh, let's grab the young. That feels, that's that feels like an old director trying to be young because his, <laughs> his daughter's told him what kids are into. 100%. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Also, they kept showing like what the movie they're making looks like as they're filming it. I'm going, that's not how movies work. And I'm pretty sure anyone who's watching this knows that's not how movies work. Exactly. How can you? He's a film director. Like, yeah. I, I, I didn't understand that. And then there was, like, towards the end, there was that huge chunk where we're, oh, we're, it took me about 10 minutes to realise that, oh, we're just doing, we're just in the film of the film yeah. now. And we're just, we're just, we're treating this as we're watching the move, the movie mm-hmm. that's in the movie. 
and not in a clever Charlie Kaufman way, in a kind yeah. of, oh, that's confusing. Yeah. And but they're all their characters because the writing is so poor and they're such underdeveloped characters. You can't really distinguish between their characters within the movie within a movie and the actual movie because yeah. they they're not different. They're just. Yeah. Uh, it's I don't, I don't I don't really understand it's easily the weakest Apatow film for me I haven't seen Staten Island but yeah I haven't seen This Is 40 yet so I'm not I'm not 100% on that so I don't I don't again, I have seen I, This Is 40 This Is 40 is there are really good moments in This Is 40 but it is probably the most infuriating because it's such a film of entitlement did he do it's funny like, people as well yeah I liked funny people but it did split people it wasn't funny that's <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's really sad. Really sad yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, film. Yeah. Really, really dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah really bleak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if they just trimmed some characters out of it and like sort of made it a bit more streamlined, you might have had something then. Like if you had taken away, for example, the interns didn't need to be there. No. They didn't bring much to the floor. You know, what they did no. was fine, but they didn't really add much. You can maybe trim a couple of actors out, like take away maybe perhaps like say, who you take out? Probably take the, the couple the the British, com- yeah. British comedian isn't very funny. I don't know why he was in it. He didn't yeah. really do much. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've noticed something I really liked. I liked the Pascal Balakalova story. I thought that was pretty funny because I liked the way she was playing it. That was quite funny. That was yeah. quite funny. That was the only bit of the film that really worked for me. And I liked the way she was like, just the way she would like talk to him. And it's just like, you could just see him, her breaking his like soul every time she spoke to him. Yes. Which yes. I did really like. Um, the drug scene was quite funny. Yeah, the drug scene was quite funny. But yeah. the moment, the little tiny moments in a film that was that, two, yeah, two hours very ten small. minutes long and not funny. Sarah Finowitz is. I'm a huge fan of Sarah Finowitz. He's so underrated. Um, he's not in enough, but he's just playing a bit of a trope here, isn't he? A bit of a yeah, he's, he's this film's paychecky for him. You know, he's like it's yeah. a big Hollywood yeah. film. I'll, I'll take the money. I'm happy to walk yeah. away with the cash on this. And again, this is, again, <laughs> what annoying me. This film has been nothing but promoted all the way through Netflix. It came out yeah. the same day as Apollo 10 and a half. Yeah. No one's seen Apollo 10 and a half. No one's talking about that, but I've seen nothing but people watching the bubble just to just to rip on it. So if you only watch mm. a shit film, I'm a man who watches many a shit film. By all means, do it. But <laughs> at least watch some good stuff alongside it. You know, don't don't watch it yeah. just to be a dick about it. Watch it. Because, no. Yeah. I, I don't get that. Because, like, I there's no enjoyment for me. Like, yeah. watching that, like, like I, I'm pretty I, sure if I, I hadn't told, if, I, if we weren't doing this, you would have not watched that film once you read some reviews. You'd be like, no, I'll pass on that. Yeah, probably. I, I don't know because Apatow has Apatow got, would have like, maybe it interesting. Yeah. I probably would have just the cast as well. Um, yeah, again, it's a it waste is, of talent. It's such a waste it of talent. Colossal waste. Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Completely. A real shame. Just. So misguided and misfired. I thought that was a real shame. Though yeah. I'm not. This is this is the thing I was thinking about as well with Karen Gillian. I've seen a few of the films that she's supposedly the lead. She's not quite the lead in this, but she has probably the biggest name in the call sheet in terms of like the forty first name on it. She's not been great outside of Avengers, like in terms of her role. She seems more of a sort of a good actress in a an ensemble mm-hmm. as opposed to like sort of fronting mm-hmm. in a film. Like I watched that one, Gunpowder Milkshake wasn't great. No, you know she doesn't no. seem to be able. To, Hold a f- and it's not against her. I mean, you can't. Not every actor can hold a film. You know, their screen presence can do it. No, it takes a special kind of actor who can do that. But Hollywood seems to want to say, like, Hollywood's given her a chance, and I don't think she's made good choices to no capitalize on it yet. I think because she she's inherently, you can tell she's inherently decent. Yes, and, um, that's not particularly exciting unless yes. you are unless you are Tom Hanks. Yeah, you know so. 
I wonder he if even hangs in that better. darker edge early on. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He did yeah. And, and and humor as well. I wonder yeah. if um, and she is funny to be fair. I wonder sure. if um, I wonder if she'll get better as she gets older. Do you know Possibly. What I mean? But yeah. it seems almost like she's in Jumanji, which is obviously great for her. And mm. she's definitely fourth in the call sheet in Jumanji. So she probably, it seems like she's got a lot of work based on the fact of, oh, we can't get The Rock. We can't get Jack Black. We can't yeah. get Kevin Hart. Let's get the fourth member of that ensemble. Yeah, She must be good if she's in alongside those four guys. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, mate. Yeah. <coughs> which is a shame. Because I like her. I, I want, we want oh, a small like girl to do well. You know, like Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. She seems a very, like I said, a thoroughly decent person as well. Like everything I see about her on yeah. the on the social networks and stuff like that, she seems a very nice person. So I kind of want to see her do things, like, you know, do good things. Um, but yeah, no, the, the film did not light me in fire. Um, or I wanted to light myself in fire watching it, one of the two. Oh my um, gosh, yes. Um, so what do you have out of 10? Oh God, it's one of the worst films I've seen in a long time. That's, it's a solid three from McFall. I'm slightly better. I'll give it a four. Slightly four. on. Slightly on. Right. Again, okay. only for um, Maria Bakalov, which I do find absolutely charming in everything she's doing. She so is far. charming. She's yes. she's the, the light in the in the darkness, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen have you watched Borat 2 yet? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like she's phenomenal in Borat 2. She's great. She's the best thing in Borat 2, oh, which she had awesome. massive problems, but yeah, she's the best thing in it. To go toe to toe with a guy like that in a first oh. film is just and oh, to yeah, own it, crazy. Own every second oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. Great. Um, so now we're going to move on to the, um, the stuff of things I'm going to convince you to watch or not watch um, mm. section in which you can pitch in as you see fit. So the first one is on Amazon Prime. And it's a film called Joe Bell, which is directed by Ronaldo Marcus Green, who is obviously the offspring of a Brazilian football player and an English football player. With a name like Ronaldo <laughs> Marcus Green. Um, directed some interesting stuff, directed Monsters and Men um, out a few years ago. And uh, yeah. also recently directed the Oscar-winning King Richard, so um, he's, he's uh, on with a tear. This film, I think, has been much delayed in terms of release. It's been sort of stuck in the um, uh, the, the doldrums of um, studios. Um, right. Release, and okay. eventually it's been bought by Amazon and pumped out on Amazon Video. So probably used, not always a strong sign when a studio just gives up on a film like that, but... Oh. The plot of this one is there's a, a father walking the from coast to coast in America doing the full forest gump. Um, as they call it, and the reason why he's doing it is because he wanted to try and bring attention to bullying, um, because his young son was bullied when he was came out as gay, um, and it's, it's not a spoiler. As the film goes on, you find out that the son has passed away and killed himself. Oh wow! So, oh wow! So it's him trying to sort of bring sort of um, like light to you know the idea of like you know be nice to people because what you do has an effect on people, particularly with young mm. people, you know, and, and, and obviously. Um, it's him just trying to spread that message and he thinks the best way to spread the message is to do something big in order to um, you know, bring attention to it, which has value, obviously. Um, playing the role of the father, that all, the, the always, the, the very you know, emotionally touching <laughs> Mark, Mark Wahlberg. He's <laughs> almost a man very much in touch with his inner self. You know? um, Who cast Mark in that? Gee, <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> Marky Mark is nothing but a fountain of emotion. Yeah, so Marky Mark um, is in the lead role. Playing his wife is the always reliable but never used properly Connie Britton. Um, you've also got Gary Sinise popping up in it. Reed Miller plays the ghostly apparition of his son. Uh, and Morgan Lilly plays his best friend, who you see sort of flashbacks of their life as friends. Um, I don't want to be negative on this film, because it has got a strong message behind it. And... and Ultimately, I think we can all support the message behind it. Mm. it but it is a it's a well-meaning film, but 
it's lost in sort of the schmaltzness of it. Yeah. And his reasoning and what they portray the reasoning as, to me, just didn't make sense. So he's doing this walk, you know, to try and raise it. He thinks the only thing he can do in life to, is to bring attention to his son, which, again, completely valid. His wife, on the other hand, is struggling with the death of her son and is drinking, and she's became essentially alcoholic. She's mm. treated as some sort of villain for doing this, and it's sort of like, well, it's a grief. Whoa. Surely there's... there's yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, and that... It felt, and he's abandoned her. Well, that's what I got as well. Like, surely that's the point. He's left her at home, fucking drinking herself to death, essentially, while he does this walk that he has to do, and he sees no other way to... to On this his... Jesus fucking crusade. Yeah, but, yeah. essentially. Mm. That, to me, felt like a very odd... You know, how can you... So you're doing this for your son and you know for the bullying aspect of it, but then you're leaving your wife to basically kill herself essentially. So that it feels an a, odd message. Is this a true story? Based on a true story, yeah. Based on a true story. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, it has a very tragic end at the end and, and overall as well when you're watching it. Um, but yeah, it felt an odd message to try and put forward, you know, that you mm. know you can help your son by doing this walk and bring memory to him, but by at the same time leave your wife to yeah, grieve alone and become yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, what's Mark saying? What's Mark saying? What's, what's Wahlberg's performance like? Marky Mark's not bad in it. I, I, we do mock Marky Mark, but I love Marky Mark. He is a man. He can act. Like, he, he oh, doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, he, can. he has yeah. got range. Well, maybe not range, but he has got, he has got skill. <laughs> you know, he, can, he can do stuff, you know, but... The I Fighter think, is a great performance. So is Departed as well, you know, but I oh, think yeah. I think Departed's pretty much playing himself, to be fair. I don't think oh, there's, much, not, I don't think there's much acting on in the Departed. No acting. He's, does he, he hasn't seen a script. No, he doesn't know the camera's rolling it, but they filmed him over a weekend and see what they can do with him. Um, but Oscar nominated. Um, so that's what's really odd. It's sort of he's, he's fine. I think he actually is well cast. He is sort of you can see him as a father who would have struggled if his son came out as you know. Gay. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Or still loving his son, but not want everyone else to know type things. That's a big part of it. You know, he, he, he still loves his son, but he doesn't want his son to sort of openly promote it. They do live in like sort of Texas and stuff like that. So it's a bit sort of, right. you know, red his state. Son, yeah. His son joins the cheerleading squad and stuff like that. He doesn't want him to do that, but mm. he, he kind of ultimately supports his son throughout any, all of it anyway. But it's sort of, he's still ashamed of him a little bit, which I guess it's a different mentality type thing. So it's just, that's, it's, Everything in it seems very half baked. I think yeah. Put it, yeah, nothing's really sort of properly fulfilled no. in its way. Um, so the, the question of grief, I'm not questioning people grieve. It's something you know people do the yeah. wrong thing. But the, the oddness of how they did it was a strange way for him being a hero for the way he's doing it. The wife being a villain. Yeah, you need, she's doing it. You need to show the whole the whole specter of that. His he's clearly had a breakdown as well in his uh-huh. own way. You know that's not normal behaviour. You know no. Yeah, um, that's, that's was, grief. It all, all comes from his wife saying, if you need to clear your head, go for a walk. You know, and she thought, like, take fucking 10 minutes around the block. And he goes, well, I have to walk to New York. And it's like, no, no. Um, you've got but... Gary Sinise in it, who, again, not seen Gary Sinise on camera for a while. You know, yeah. in like NCIS or something, one of those kind of shows. Yeah. But um, it's nice to see that. He's, he's a very good actor. But he's only in it for like, yeah, like yeah. 10 minutes. So it's a real shame that he's not... Yeah. Reed Miller, who plays his son, um, is actually very good on it. Um, very much enjoyed what he brought to the role. But yeah, Connie Britton, like I said, underused as always. She's never really, she just plays no. a lot of the time. That's pretty much her yeah. role now in life. Is That's life. it, yeah. Yeah, it's a real shame. Um, so just one of those films, it felt straight to DVD. And essentially, mm. by dumping itself on Amazon, that's essentially what it is. It's, that's it. That's it. That's that's the new straight to DVD, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of the it time. Like that. Yeah. 
nothing inherently bad about it, but nothing inherently great about it. And mm. some of the stuff just left me feeling a little bit icky watching it. Feeling like, like mm, I would have it felt a bit not the way I would have done it. Yeah, there's an opportunistic uh, mining for tears, maybe at times. Kinda, some, yeah, but those, yeah, like that. definitely mm. that, definitely that mm. way. Um, yeah. So I would give it a very average five out of ten. Also, terrible title. Job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, he sounds like he should be a bassist in a shit nineties Britpop band. Oh yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And he's definitely not that. He's definitely not that. <laughs> he's very much. I'm trying to say what he, his character is, but he's very much just Marky Mark from what I just can tell you. Just like he's just Mark Wahlberg, and I don't really see him anything other than going, "Well, that's Mark Wahlberg being Mark Wahlberg." I think it's like there's not much to him other than that. Um, so yeah, that that was that was odd. So that's all the streaming stuff done for the day. And we'll move on okay. to a couple of things in the cinema. So I'm going to convince you to see one of these and convince you to most definitely avoid one of them. Um, so <laughs> the first one up we have is um, Morbius, um, which is directed by Daniel Espinosa, who directed the film Life. I don't know if you saw that one in the sci-fi movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and um, yeah. Reynolds. Actually not bad. Enjoyed it's it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He's done Child 44 with Tom Hardy, the one set in Russia about the... Oh yeah, yeah. I've not seen great. that. Not very good. No. And he done Safe yeah. House with um, Denzel. So yeah, Denzel. Yeah. You know, Solid. You know. Denzel. No, Denzel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Morbius is Morbius, the living vampire, um, and he is a doctor who has got a very rare blood disease that's going to kill him. So in order to cure the blood disease, he starts experimenting with vampire bats, and he injects some vampire bat blood or something into him, and he begins to inherently get the powers of well, not a bat, but he's a powers because he's got like echolocation, but he's also got super strength and all this kind of stuff. But and he can sort of fly like Dracula, you know, they kind of you know, they kind of like disappearing right. very fast and do that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, in order to maintain this power, he has to um ingest blood, um, usually human blood, because that's the only one thing, partly the only thing that that works for him. Um, and if he doesn't do that, he will basically become the full rage monster that is. Morbius, the vampire. Yeah, oh. he'll go, 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 go pure vampire um, on everybody, and he starts to you know just carve up the place. So it's based on Marvel comic, and um, quite a not a particularly beloved Marvel comic. One of those kind of very much e-less characters, you know. Mm. Um, and they, they they do a great pains to try and make it very clear this is a Marvel movie, and they mention as much Marvel stuff as they can to make sure you know this is part of the Marvel <laughs> world, even though it's put out by Sony. Um, so. In the film, you've got Jared Leto playing Morbius. Um, his best friend and soon-to-be enemy, uh, someone who suffers from the same blood disease, but, Matt, uh, but Morbius won't give him the serum for reasons that don't really entirely make sense, is Matt Smith. You've also got Adria Arajona from Pacific Rim Uprising. She plays love interest number one. Um, Jared Harris plays the doctor who tries to help them. And you've also got Tyrese Gibson uh, and Al Madrigal in a very odd partnership playing FBI agents um, who are investigating the deaths that are happening throughout New York as people are getting drained of blood. Um, okay. This is shit. Um, I can't really put it in other way other than that. <laughs> The fact, that uh, I drove to, the fact that I drove to cinema to see this, I'm pretty sure it's tax deductible. So I'm going to use that because it's <laughs> it's genuinely one of the most lazy, half-assed, made by committee movies I've seen in a long time. It is just, really? it's it's like they've watched every comic book movie of the last like 30 years from like 1990 onwards. And when, you know what one really was good? Let's copy Electra. You know, that's the one that stands out to oh them for some reason. It's very God. much that 
Like, we don't... I'm not saying you have to copy the comic exactly because it's adaptation. You're allowed to adapt. That's the whole point of an adaptation. But you have to at least in some way understand what makes the character work to some degree and not treat the audience like the fact you read comics makes you a dick and makes you a geek twat who we don't want to ever do anything for. You know, it's just sort of like... It's, it's a comic book movie in name only. It bears almost no relation to anything the, the Morbius stuff does. But again, that's not inherently a bad thing. You can obviously adapt. But it just felt so condescending, the way it was sort of put together. Really? And the plot holes were, you know, as wide as a vampire bat's cave. Um, and <laughs> the final act of the film, the last half hour, is almost incoherent to the point where I didn't really know what was going on and why it was happening. Um, and you know, just bringing stuff in that you've made no mention of in the previous hour to try and like explain how this happened. Going, no, you can't just bring that up at the last minute and say, you know, do sex machina. That's how we stop it. Going, no, that doesn't. That's not how it works. You have to at least introduce it. You know, check off your gun, put it somewhere in the background, put it somewhere around. Don't just yeah. put it in. So it's very, very odd. Um, Leto is surprisingly restrained in his role. I was of the Jared Leto roles I've seen in the past like two years. This is the one that sort of feels the most reserved. He's, wow, that's surprising. Yeah, he's not. He's definitely not going full Dracula, you know, Nicolas Cage style. <laughs> he's very much just very Jared Leto, essentially. He's not doing anything right. crazy in it. It, uh. it. it almost feels boring in that respect. He's not. Really, he seems disinterested in that respect. He doesn't. Obviously, I mean, he seems involved in the role. He goes full. You know. Oh yeah. Um, what was the one he was in recently? The Italian one. Um, Gucci. Gucci goes House of Gucci goes full Gucci on it, you know, or does, yeah. you know, Joker when he's sending people dead rats and stuff like that, and he's doing yeah. stuff like that, you know. It's just he's not he's very restrained, nothing very interesting in it. No one else has any arc at all in the story. Matt Smith's reasoning behind what he does makes no sense whatsoever. Um some ridiculously baffling character choices throughout it, just rushed, lazy. They try and tie it into the the, the Marvel universe to the point Michael Keaton, Keaton's in it. Keaton's in it, isn't he? Yeah. He's in the he's in the cut scene at the end. Is that they it? Put that, right. They put that in the trailer to try and go, look, we've got Michael Keaton. You don't have Michael yeah. Keaton. You do not have oh, him. Oh wow. It's yeah, I should be in it. Right. Yep. And like Jared Harris needs a better agent. Can I love Jared Harris? Jared, he's just Jared Harris is shit films. Yeah. Just great television, but um, truly awful movie choices. Movie choices. Yeah. <laughs> So he's he's not got a role in it, but he's in it, and he's just like it's just he needs a better agent to get him out of this kind of shit. I cannot describe how bad and how dull this film is, and that's the thing. If it's a bad film, but a bad film, but see if you're dull and bad, it's like holy shit, I'm 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 gone. Yeah, well, absolutely was just bad, just really bad. A friend, uh, a friend of mine went to watch it, and he he sent me um, a quote from the final final act before the final battle dr morbius prepares a weaponized anticoagulant explaining this is a direct quote which i'm sure you remember saying to bats it's lethal to humans it's deadly yes that is <laughs> that is a direct quote from the film wow it's bad 10 out of 10 it's bad uh, man it's yeah would... it's just it's it's like 30 years of mccormick films didn't happen that's what it felt like you know like wow and I'm not saying you can't, you can have a bad comic book film, but just to, to look at comic book movies and go, right, the one I want to emulate is, you know, Electra, Catwoman, you know, those kind of ones, you go, what? You know, it's just, it, it was just so badly done. Just, what, what's the verdict? Three out of 10. 
Ooh, wow. And I'm Damning. telling, you know, if there's anyone went for that. I mean, I wasn't in, I mean, I went in low expectations, but even they were surpassed by how bad it was, to be honest. It was one of those kind of movies. And on to that, our final movie of this week, also in cinema still, and it should hopefully remain in cinemas for a long time, is a film called Ambulance. Uh, <laughs> directed by Michael, Master of Disaster Bay, um, the man behind such things as The Rock, Six Underground, 13 Hours, Conair, Transformers, Quadrilogy, um, Armageddon, obviously. The man knows how to blow shit up. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. Oh, he the plot of this film is um, Guy trying to get health insurance for his wife because she's got an incurable disease, um, can't get money, goes to his brother to try and get money, um, and the brother goes, yeah, I can get you money, but you need to be, basically you need to involve yourself in a $60 million bank robbery, which a guy goes, yeah, that makes sense. So, <laughs> they go and rob a bank, um, the bank robbery goes tits up because of reasons, um, they jump into an ambulance <laughs> to try and escape, in the back they've got a shot cop, a paramedic trying to keep that cop alive because they know if that cop dies they're going to go to jail for a, you know, for life, not because they've robbed the bank and blown up half of downtown LA, um, and at that point they're just trying to drive around LA trying to escape from the, the cops who are very much following them and trying to take them down. Um, in the film, you've got Jake Gyllenhaal playing brother number one. You've got Yaha Abdul-Mateen II playing the other brother. They are brothers, despite the, the definitive colour difference. They are brothers in it. And they do explain what? it. They do explain it. And it, is, it, does, okay. make, it does make sense. Um, why, just, why not just make them best friends? It's <laughs> a needless convoluted plot point. Sorry, carry on. Carry on. It's, it's actually waved off with like one line, to be honest. It's like, oh, I'll All buy right. that. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, <laughs> You've also got Eliza Gonzalez, um, who you know from Baby Driver. She plays Darling, the oh yeah, John Ham's other half yes. in it. Yep, right. And yep. also my favourite Garrett Dillahunt pops up in it as well. Um, nice. you know him from such things as one well, from Raising Hope when he plays Hope's granddaddy, and he's very good in that role. Um, this is a shit ton of fun. Like I fucking love this. This was a hell of a lot of fun. It is the most Michael Bay of Michael Bay movies in the sense that the right. camera is like they've strapped a camera onto a drone, stuck 3,000 fireworks on it, and then let it go and try to control it as they film. It's it's truly, at times, absolutely hypnotic, but also stomach-churningly vomit-inducing, because there's times I had no idea what I was looking at, but then the camera was flipping all over the place, and it was... But in the same way, I absolutely loved it, and it's kind of what I wanted from the cinema. In the same way, like we were talking about, like end of last year about like Kong versus Godzilla, like I needed that film. Yeah, yeah. This had yeah. very much that feeling as well. Like, this, it's utterly batshitly, insanely stupid, but I was a hundred percent in for every second of it. Um, nice. And the way you know we, we talk about was it Bay used to photograph his cars like women and his women like cars. Yes. Yeah. Film. <laughs> He actually doesn't photograph a woman in a completely CD way, so I think yeah. Michael Bay might be growing as an act, as, as a, as an artist. Um, he he does instead shoot his weaponry like he wants to fuck it at every opportunity. The man <laughs> loves his guns and his you know the militarization of police. So if if you're not in for big sweeping shots of snipers setting up and you know locking and loading, then maybe not the film for you. Um, but I, I generally had so much fun with it because you've got Jake Gyllenhaal who. He's going. He's the closest thing we've got to a modern day Nick Cage, and that Great, he, 100%. he's absolutely. When he, he has this 
intensity that is both extremely charming but utterly fucking terrifying. Terrifying, he, yeah. He can play, he's, he's tapping into that Nightcrawler thing. The, the Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, nice. Yeah. And you go, yeah. I can see how women would want to fuck you, but also I can go, you are also probably the most terrifying woman, man I've ever seen in my life because you will yeah. absolutely kill me to get to get past me. And he has that feel yeah. about him in this film. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's totally unhinged. Um, Yaya um, brings a lot of emotion to it because obviously he's the sort of the pivotal thing of you. He's trying, he's, he's a good man who's somehow in a situation that he agrees to do, but somehow feels he's not in it by choice. Like, you're totally in this by choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Eliza Gonzalez, she brings what is a paper-thin role. She plays really attractive paramedic who doesn't want to know anyone because she's just good at her job. But she brings a bit more to it, just to try and like sort of flesh out the character. She's actually pretty good. Right. It is about 25 minutes too long to try and wrap up. There's a whole kind of extra subplot it didn't really need. You could probably slice that completely out it. Um, but it does, and I'm going to compare it to a film that probably I should be comparing it to, but I'm going to compare it to. It has the diehard thing where even the most side characters have a little moment. Right, where nice. You remember, like, you think of the characters in Die Hard, you remember, you think, well, obviously, John McClane, and we remember, obviously, mm. you know, Reginald L. Johnson. But you can probably remember about half a dozen other characters in that film who have, like, one line. That's one great line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This has got the yes. same thing. There's at least about six or seven characters who've got an absolutely, you know, cracking line in it, and you go, oh, I'm going to remember great. that one. That's really well right. done, and it works so well. Um, it's a throwback. It feels very much like that. It, it's, yeah. I'm not going to call Michael Bay an auteur in any sense of the way. You know, he is. <laughs> but it feels like he's a little bit back on track now because I felt Six Underground was like the most Michael Bay film that was completely, you could not understand what was going on in it. It was no, the action no didn't make sense. It, no. it was absolutely all over the place. This, the bank robbery doesn't quite work in terms of, I didn't really know. The bank robbery, I struggled to know the geography of the bank robbery because it's set in the same bank, I think, as Dark Knight. Oh wow! Right. I think I think it's, maybe that's just a very LA bank. I don't really know, but that looked very mm. much like the LA bank, uh, the bank from that. So, but the geography of what the bank robbery is confused me a little bit. Yeah, really, he so, gets excited. Michael gets excited. He gets, he gets all, all up himself, and he gets all, he gets all jittery, <laughs> and he starts going for it. Um, so that I struggled with. But once they get in the ambulance and they're driving through LA, I, you know, I don't know the LA geography. I kind of got what was happening. I figured out where they were, mm. you know, what the point of what they were doing was. Um, yeah, the final 25 minutes when it did take a turn when you go like, oh, you could probably slice this whole subplot out of it. But no, man, for a film I had very low expectations for um, in terms of what Michael Bacon has delivered recently, I genuinely dug it in a big, bad way. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a proper Friday night couple of drinks kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he, he's, he's got some hits under the locker. You know, he, he knows what he's doing. If he he just I want to also say it is also a Michael Bay film that openly references two other Michael Bay films with dialogue that characters mention. <laughs> like, you know, it's like this oh, is like okay. when one of them, that's one of them, that's actually, there's actually a back and forth between two actors talking about The Rock, not the actor, the film The Rock. Oh my god, amazing! You know, amazing. So it's, like, it's it's you know it's it's on that level. You know, at times you feel like is he. I'm always trying to wonder, is Michael B in on the joke? Is he self-aware? Yeah, because he's not a writer. No. So <laughs> that's the worry, because looking at how Michael B behaved that time, he was like doing the, the um, commercial, like all the sort of talk to camera thing, and it, the, the auto cues stopped, and rather than try to vamp, he just walked off stage, because he had no way <laughs> to process what was happening. 
<laughs> I'm, Michael Bay is obviously very good at what he does. You look at music, he's obviously a music video director and he has very much a style yeah. over content. So I'm not entirely sure yeah. if even, was he even there when they were delivering the dialogue? You know, did Probably he not. even care? Right, you no. know, was it? No, no, no Alan, he's, he's setting up. <laughs> yeah, most directors farm the, the, like the, the stunts out to the second AD to do the second unit. He'll probably farm like the sort of the emotional scenes out to the second unit, and he'll yeah, give yeah, yeah. the fucking explosions. You know, so hundred yeah, percent. Don't yeah. know how much was him, but I dug it. Like I like, I really like Jake Gyllenhaal. I've never seen him in over the last oh, like, ten years. I'm a big fan I'm, of him. I'm a huge fan of of uh, He's he's so talented and so versatile. I think yeah. the Nicolas Cage comparison is fantastic. Yeah. He's got that intensity, yeah. and he really he, does commit as well. He could, they could easily play brothers. Like they could, you can imagine them totally oh, yeah. brothers. Oh, yeah. real, it would be, oh, it'd be that'd probably, be amazing. Too much intensity on screen. The other thing much, I was mentioning yeah. about seeing those two films in the cinema, I got the trailer for the new the new Nicolas Cage film. The oh yes, yeah. The un, the overwhelming weight of talent. That one. Unbearable. Un, weight yeah, of talent. massive yeah. talent. That one. Yes, yes. Looks immense. I'm I'm very much oh, looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah. Oh no, that looks sensational. There's no yeah. way it will come to the Isle of Man, but I, no, um, but Ambulance, I give a very solid 7 out of 10. I had a lot. Nice, of man. Nice. You've got me excited. If in the right mind frame on a Friday night, you have a couple yeah. of drinks and you're watching at home, you will absolutely uh, dig it. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I am actually looking forward to that. Yeah, Michael Bay, will, Michael Bay delivers. Um, that is us for this week. Next week, we have things such as Sonic the Hedgehog, which I imagine will be very different from Ambulance and hopefully different <laughs> from Morbius. Um, we also have the newest um, instalment in the Harry Potter Fantastic Beast um, series. I think it's going to be five or six films. This one's called The Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, hopefully an improvement on the previous two, which were two of the most beigest of blockbusters you've seen in a long, long time. Um, right. Oh, Have you not seen the other two? Has your son not made you watch them yet, no? No, I don't know if he's aware of those ones. Don't, do not allow him to become aware of them. They are the dullest fucking movies in the planet, honestly. Really? Yeah. Really? For a film that's called like... Fantastic Beasts, it features exceptionally little fantastical beasts, which is a big disappointment, right. to be honest. You know, <laughs> um, You've also got yeah. Eddie Redmayne being as sort of the, you know, the, the, the vacuum of, you know, sort of... Yeah. He's a... a what is he? A, a, a diet Benedict Cumberbatch, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, my wife likes Harry Potter, so we're. I'm going to see Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. So, um, <laughs> you have got, um, what's his name, who I really like, and I'm forgetting his name now. It was Mighty Sienna Miller, Jude Law. Oh, I like Jude. Yeah. As he's became older, he's became a much more interesting actor. He's became yeah. he's got a real intensity to him that I really like, and he's nice. playing a young yeah. Michael Gambon in this, so it's kind of suits. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, it works. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of all for him. Um, yeah. We'll probably find some other stuff that's on Netflix and Amazon to watch. That Colin will watch. You're not here next week, so we'll, um, Colin will be forced to watch something, and he'll probably still be watching Cheers or Golden Girls or some other <laughs> TV that he insists on watching. Or what's someone he's watching this now? Or oh, he's watching some glass blowing show. Don't know why he's watching that. Um, Unbelievably, I've, I, I'm aware of that glass blowing show. Yeah. <laughs> That's even more frustrating. Yeah, more well, my, amazing. Um, but yeah, that is us for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Stu. And you've been listening to. Three beers and a movie.